Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. We are in week two, week two, week two of a sermon series called This Time Next Year. And it really is a series about declarations. Um, we joke and we say, you know, we're preaching it in 2020, but it's a sermon series on 2021. It's where we believe God is going to take you next year. So it's happening this January, but it's about what you see for your life next January. It's happening this January, but it's about what you see in your finances next January. It's happening this January, but it's about what God can do in your relationships next January. We've said it before. If you can create the universe in seven days, what would happen if you gave him 365 of your life? I think he could flip it upside down, turn it inside out, backwards, forwards. I feel like that was a hip-hop song in my mind <laughs> there for a second. I'm sure it's one of those, but uh, I'm just, I think it'd be amazing. And last week, we spoke about this woman who was uh, infertile. She could not have a child, and this prophet Elisha came up to her and said, by this time, you will be holding a baby in your arms. And we say that was an example of firm faith, that sometimes in life you got to look at your situation dead in the eye and you got to just go ahead and speak things over your situation. By this time next year, and then you go ahead and declare what God told you. And I believe that. And I'm going to share with you a story today that is similar to that last story, but vastly different. It's in Genesis chapter 17. We're going to read from verse 15. If you carry a Bible, you can open that up to that book. It's in the beginning, Genesis uh, chapter 17, and it's verse 15, and we're going to start there. If you don't have a Bible today, you can go ahead and read with us on the screen, and it goes like this. God also said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. And Abraham fell face down. He laughed. And he said to himself, Will a son be born to a man that's a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? You know she ain't changing no diapers at 90. <laughs> then God said, yes, but your wife will bear a son. And you will call him Isaac, which incidentally means laughter. Whom Sarah will bear to you by this time. Amen. You know, um, at first glance, this looks similar. You got a lady who can't have a baby. You go, well, didn't we preach about that last Sunday? We didn't. Uh, we did and we didn't. Because last Sunday, we talked about a woman who only had to hold on to a promise for three months. The prophet came to her and said, by this time next year, you will have a baby. And that was the first time she had heard it. So she really only had to wait three or four months to get pregnant. By that point, when she knew she was pregnant, that was the wait was over. But this is the third time that Abraham and Sarai have received this word from God. The first time they received it was 25 years before this time. And this is the big difference that the Shunammite woman we read about last week was praying for something. But Abraham and Sarai, who we're reading about this week, are praying for the same thing. 
And it's a different thing when you're praying for something than when you're praying for the same thing. For 25 years, she was fighting infertility. For 25 years, he was battling his, for his breakthrough. For 25 years, believing in God, the same thing. I wonder if there's anybody here today that it's frustrating when you come to God and it's frustrating when you pray because you're not just asking for something. You've been asking for the same thing. You want the same thing this year that you wanted last year. You're fighting the same fights you fought this year that you were fighting last year and before that you were praying for freedom from the same thing that you were fighting the year before that and the year before that is there anybody here at church today who knows what I'm talking about or is everybody perfect is there anybody who's tired listen of not fighting something not praying for something but fighting against and praying against not something but the same thing boy it can get real frustrating when you're up against the same thing year after year after year my son and I had a kind of crash course in this. I told you that we just started playing video games uh, together, and there was this one game that he really liked that I thought I'd buy him, so I thought he would enjoy it. It was a classic. I enjoyed it when I was a kid, so I gave him the next generation. It's this game called Mega Man, and uh, we got him this game called Mega Man for his Nintendo Switch, and he played it, and uh, as he was playing it, there was this one level that he really couldn't get past. It was the first level. He really couldn't get past it. He was really trying and struggling and using all of his faculties to do it. And so, and then, and he was real frustrated because we had gotten him some other games. He had like two brand new games. They were on the shelf, but we have a rule in our house. It's actually a motto. It goes, Vasquez's always finish what they started. That's a motto in our house. And we have that motto in place and it applies even to video games. And so you can't go on to the next video game until you beat the last video game. I'm just doing my best to try and instill some principles in their life. I don't know if it's working. Ask me in 20 years. But so he's frustrated and, uh, and he comes to me, he's like, dad, he says, this game is unbeatable. And I'm like, son, let your old man get a little crack at that game. Like, I used to be a gamer back in the day. Now, how do you turn this thing on? I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I kind of figured it out. I got on there and I started playing and playing and playing and playing. And then I called Pastor Joey to preach for me that Sunday because I wasn't going to have time to get ready for the sermon. And I just started playing. That's a joke. And playing and I could not beat this game. And I was so frustrated because I'm like, all right, now we're either going to have to like, I mean, that's pretend it got lost. <laughs> or I'm going to have to compromise on my values. And I was just about to deem the game unbeatable, put down the controller and give up. And I want to pause right here because I'm no longer talking about a video game. I hope that you know. There might be people in this room. Your issue is not that you have a video game that is unbeatable, but rather a habit that is unbreakable or a relationship that seems unmendable, or an insecurity that you just can't seem to get healing over, or a debt that you just can't come out of, or a temptation that you continue to give into. And year after year after year, you try, you try, you try, and you are about to categorize this thing, this battle, as unbeatable. And you're gonna put down the controller to your situation, leaving all of the things your father bought you on the shelf just waiting to be used, just waiting to be engaged with. And I want to encourage you today. I want to help you get over your battle the same way Justice and I got over that video game battle because we did beat the game. Oh, yes, we did. And this is how we beat the game. After losing more times than I care to admit, I was like, something's up. Like, I got so far and I beat the boss only to find out he was the mini boss. How many people know what I'm talking about? The video game, every boss got a mini. I was like, we beat it. And it was like, do, do, do. Like, the level kept going. I was like, oh. <laughs> and I lost there and I'm like something's wrong something's wrong and I went to the menus and I found in the menu there was a settings option and I looked at the settings option and there was the difficulty setting of the game 
there was four difficulty settings to the game. It was on the fourth difficulty setting of the game. It's Mega Man, so the fourth difficulty, it's called superhero. We were on superhero level. Then it was normal, then it was casual, then it was easy. I was like, boys, we've been playing on superhero this whole, for the last two months. <laughs> I took that thing from superhero down to easy. Yo, we beat the game in two days. We beat the game in two days. It was quick. If I can summarize what Jesus came to do by dying on the cross and coming back to life three days later, it's to change the difficulty setting on life. Because you've been trying to be a superhero. You've been trying to fight this battle on your own. You've been trying to figure this out on your own strength, but you can't do it on your own strength. You're not the superhero. He's the superhero. But something happens when he shifts the difficulty setting. All of a sudden, you unlock things in your new life that were locked to you in your old life. So now the game's on easy, and got, now I got unlimited lives. <laughs> That's cool, because in church, we got unlimited lives too. It's this thing called grace that says no matter how many times you make mistakes, no matter how many times the enemy takes a shot at you, do, 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 restart, checkpoint, save. Ooh, the game was saved. Is there anybody who's saved in church today that knows that no matter how many times they lose, they can get back up and fight again and wrestle again? Whenever I would fall in a little hole because the game was easy, this little pigeon would come down in the hole and he would pick me up and make sure that I wouldn't hit the ground. I thought, ooh, you know, I got a little pigeon in my life too, except we don't call him a pigeon in the Holy, the Bible is called him a Holy Spirit that is a dove that flies over you, that cares for you, that makes sure that every time you fall into a hole, he makes sure, I got you, I'm not going to let you. It's called conviction. Don't worry. I know it scared you for a moment, but I'm going to take you where I needed to take you. Hey, if you can't get over the battle, just change the settings. And now everybody collectively is thinking, and where, by chance, can I find the menu? And can I find the settings? Sorry, JJ, but we don't have menus and settings in real life. Yeah, we do. We just don't call them menus and settings. We call them mindsets. And you might not be able to change the menus and settings, but with God's help, you can change the mindset. And the way to overcome your battle is to shift your mindset around how you see and perceive battles in your life. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to challenge your mindset on what battles are to you. Because that's how you're going to overcome them by changing the way that you see them. I'm going to challenge you in that right from the jump, right in my title. My title is going to challenge the way you see battles right in the jump. Okay, because guess what my boys did as soon as we beat that game? Guess what they did? They grabbed the next game and they put it in. That's right. And this is what my title is. And I want everyone to say with me, say this. By this time next year, I will have brand new battles. That's the title. And I got to be honest, I expected your response. I got a wow, but not one amen. Not one person shouted. Not one person said, that's for me. No, we don't like... That title, brand new battles. I don't come to church for brand new battles. Here's, here's the title you want, no more battles. That's what you want. There's the amen. No more battles. I, I actually came up with two backup titles, just in case you didn't like this one. One that would appeal more to where you are in your humanity. And so here, here's, the, here's, here's one of my backup titles. It's called Bye Bye Battle. <laughs> I bet you would like that. No more battles. You know where that's from? You know where that's from. 
Ride by battle. Here's the second one I thought you might, might laugh at, maybe. Battleships, get it? We're going to sink the battle. That's funny. I don't care what you say. That's funny. <laughs> I, I wish, listen, I wish I could preach you that because that would be good preaching. But it would be poor living because you can't live a life void of battles. And you wouldn't want to anyway. You know why? Because we were born to battle. We were born to battle. It's who we are. It's what we do. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 16 and 17. This is what God says. God who builds a road right through the ocean, who carves a path through pounding waves. The God who summons horses and chariots and armies. They lie down and they can't get up. They're snuffed out like so many candles. Isaiah is writing to the people of Israel who are currently being held captive in Babylon. And the people who are being held captive in Babylon are complaining and they're mad at God and they're mad at, at, at everyone. They say, this is the end of our lives. And Isaiah, to encourage them, gives them some perspective by giving them a history lesson. He takes them back to Egypt in that passage where they were slaves and he goes, hey, before you freak out, can you just chill out? Everybody chill out. This isn't the first time you've had a battle. This isn't the first time our people have fought something and I love it but because by alluding, by alluding to Egypt, he's not just alluding to a time when they fought a battle, he's also alluding to a time where they were born slaves. In other words, he's saying, listen, not only is life about battles, from the moment you're born, you're born battling. And here's what he's trying to say. He's trying to say this. He's trying to say Babylon is not the battle. Life's the battle. And he's trying to normalize the struggle. Listen, you can either see the battle as a normal part of life, or you can see the battle as an anomaly of life. But if you see it as an anomaly of life, then when the battle comes, it will knock you out because the punch that knocks you out is always the one you didn't see coming. However, if you see the battle as a normal part of life, you can dip it, you can dodge it, you can even counterpunch because you were expecting it in the first place. Let's not be surprised when battles come. We were born to battle. From the moment we're born, we're born battling. And that gives you some perspective on it, helps you live. Let me, can, I, can, I, can, I, can I be real? Five people want me to be real. Can I be real? Your job, your life is not hard because of your job. Your life was hard before your job. Well, it's just my boss and it's just those hours and it's just those papers and he don't talk to me with respect. You know what? I bet that's hard. I bet that's hard. The hardest thing as a pastor to do is to listen to someone complain about something and, mm -hmm, and not give advice. But when they're done, I'll say this. I'll go, <laughs> I, go mm -hmm, I bet that's hard. Amen. But you know what else I bet was hard? What's that? Uh, before, uh, unemployment. I bet that was hard too. Uh, I bet uh, taking the bus to work. Uh, I bet eating sliced cheese for breakfast. Uh, I bet doing all these things that you do. In fact, I think it was so hard that you actually prayed for a job. How about the irony in that? That the thing you're complaining about in this season was the thing that you were asking God for in the last season. And, and maybe it's not as bad as it. I'm not saying it's not bad. I'm just saying it was bad before they got there. I, I have a friend who's an ex-con. He came up to me. He said, man, being an ex-con is so hard because you, you can't, it's hard to find a job. And I'm like, bro, I've never, I'm not an ex-con. I can't relate to that. I don't even want to speak to that. I, and I get it. It's hard. But, but I, I think I know enough to say this. You know what else was probably hard? And he's like, what? And I'm like, prison. <laughs> I think they even call it hard time. <laughs> like, I did hard time. Like, I'm not knocking that what you're going through is hard, but what you went through was hard too. 
I know I make fun of kids all the time, but let me be real about having kids. Let me be real. Your life is not hard because you have kids. Not one parent. <laughs> Amen. Hey, your life was hard before you became a parent, before you had kids. So, well, now that I have kids, I had no life. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't know your kids interrupted your world traveling that you were doing before they got here. You just globe trotting all over the world, and then you had kids, and they interrupt. My dad's secret agent. I didn't know you had so much going on that they just ruined it. Can we be real? You know why you got no life now that you have kids? Because you had no life before you had kids. It's just, it was what it is and what it is before. Listen, Coca-Cola did this really cool marketing thing that they had a bunch of different Cokes and they put different names on it. And, and I thought that was so cool. You know, you got all these names. But, but you know, and I tried them. I would go and I would try a different one and I, and I would try the Zach and Neil and I would try the Marcus. And, and you know what I can tell you about all of them? They were all, they all tasted like Coke. I didn't expect Connor to taste any different than Marcus because I already had Coke before. So it didn't surprise me when Connor tasted like Coke. Here's what I'm saying. Don't be overwhelmed by a battle just because it was handed to you in a different bottle. You had it before. You know what it's like. So don't be caught off guard. And by the way, while I'm at it, don't judge somebody else's battle because it's bottled differently than your bottle. Oh yeah, I'm gonna go there because we all got bottles. And you'll be real quick to point us out somebody else's bottle because their bottle is a public stigma. You're like, oh, he's an alcoholic. And how about you? By pointing at him, I can label your bottle right now, Mr. Self-Righteous, Mr. Prideful, Mr. Too Good, Mr. I Think I'm Perfect. It's, we all got bottles. We've all got battles. Some people got battles with the bottle. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> no, yeah. But we're all there. We're all there. This is the best thing I can give you because if you think that this battle's super duper duper hard, then you're gonna go back to the last season of your life forgetting that that was hard too. And you're gonna, so, so being married's hard and being single was a picnic. <laughs> you wanna go back there? Because that was hard too. But if you don't understand what I'm talking about right now, right, you see it, right? Well, I don't know, I just don't, I'm just out of here, I'm out of here. Okay, but before you do that, have a conversation with someone who's divorced and ask them if that's hard. Because I bet being divorced is hard too. So it's just hard. It's just hard. This is not the battle. Are you ready? Life's the battle. Life's the battle, but it's worth fighting. You know why? Because we're not just born to battle. We're born through battle. We're born through battle. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over the old history. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert. Rivers in the badlands. God says, I'm doing something new. Say Amen. I'm doing roads, amen. I'm doing rivers, amen. But I'm going to do it all through deserts and badlands. Here's what I understand about God. Whenever God wants to take you out of something, he's always going to take you through it. There were so many times in the scriptures where God can go around something, but instead of going around it, he decided to go through it. Because you got to go through if you want to come out. It's the truth. Uh, I, I, my, my wife has had three C-sections. I said two C-sections in the first service. She came up to me at the beginning of this. She said it was three. You get my, you get, I was like, you want credit? I'll give you credit. You get, <laughs> it was tough. I was there. I'm sorry. Three C-sections she went through. And the doctor told us, they said, listen, whenever we do the C-section, your baby might have some trouble breathing. And I was like, well, why would they have trouble breathing? Turns out that when a baby is in the belly, it doesn't breathe like you and I breathe through our lungs. It actually breathes through the umbilical cord of the mother. 
But so to prevent the baby from choking in the womb or trying to breathe before it's able to, the lungs of the baby actually fill up with a fluid. The fluid is what keeps the lungs full so that they don't empty, so that they don't start to instinctively start to pump and air. Well, what happens is when the baby is in the womb and, and the birth process begins to start, the baby has to, the baby that uh, has to come through, and I'm like, I don't know how far I should go with this illustration, but I'm getting shy all of a sudden. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. The baby goes through. The head goes through, but he's not breathing yet. She's not breathing yet. The shoulders go through. She's not breathing yet. It isn't until the chest goes through the canal that the pressure of the canal, guys, catch this, actually squeezes the lungs so that all of the fluid comes out so that it can breathe. A baby that's born by C-section doesn't have to battle. And because the baby doesn't have to battle in the womb, it comes out with the stuff still in it. This is a word for somebody who says, well, Pastor JJ, the thing is, I'm going through it. I'm going through it. I'm going through it. You don't know. I'm going through it. Well, keep going through it, brother. Keep going through it, sister, because going through it is what gets it out of you. Yeah. Going through it is what gets it out of you. And we got so many Christians born by C-section today. Born without breakthrough. And that's why they still got the struggles they had in their last life because they haven't gone through it yet. And then when they become a Christian and they go through it, they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know what was happening. And God was like, yeah, I got you to heaven, but now I need to get the hell out of you so that I can get you to heaven. And now you're going through it. Somebody came up to me on Wednesday in prayer. I told you we had a powerful prayer. You know how powerful prayer was? Somebody came up to me and said, said uh, Pastor, I'm excited about this fast. I go, great. I said, what are you fasting? He said, weed. Don't laugh. That's a big deal. He said, we, I said, well, amen. He had his baby on his shoulder, though, while he was telling me. So at that, I laughed. I was like, okay, junior, you know, and by the way, if you tell me anything, it becomes sermon material, unless you tell me not to, or I will change your name. Because uh, so, that's me. He said, and so I, but I'm so proud of him. I'm so proud of him because I know his struggle. Because right before that, he said, oh, and in eight weeks, it's going to be my spiritual birthday. Eight weeks at Journey was when I gave my life to Jesus a year ago. Isn't that crazy? And, uh, and I said, well, that's what I mean. Why are you fasting? That. And he's like, we well, you know it's a struggle, um, but my marriage is going through some tough things. And I just believe in that God's going to finally heal my marriage. We're going to get through this. And, uh, and I'm just, I'm coming. I'm coming on, on Wednesday. I'm fasting with you. I'm coming on Sunday. You do something on Thursday. I'm there. I just want to be here. And isn't it crazy that he's going through it? But it's going through it. That's getting it out of him. Don't, don't induce labor. Don't try and rush the process. God's got you in the squeezing for a reason. Because there's still some stuff inside that needs to come out. You got to fight the battle. Don't avoid it. You got to fight it. It comes out. But you know what you can do? Here's a good advice. Choose your battle. Make sure as you're fighting this battle, you, you choose your battle. Because I think a lot of people are still fighting the same thing because they're directing all of their energy towards the wrong thing. You know, Abraham wasn't fighting infertility. Not really. He was fighting faith. Because early on when he got the promise, he didn't really think God could do it. So he slept with this other woman named Hagar and had an illegitimate child named Ishmael. Ishmael was a product of trying to do things in your own flesh and in your own strength instead of waiting on the promises of God. And God said, well, now that you did it that way, I'm going to have to wait. I'm going to have to squeeze you some more. I'm going to have to press it so it comes out of you. He wasn't fighting infertility. He was, he was fighting faith. 
Sometimes we fight the symptoms of things, but not the actual root issue of the thing. One of the worst days in my life, top three worst days ever, 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 ever in my life was the day that I had to tell my wife that I wrestled with pornography. That was hard, real hard. And uh, if you've never heard that story before, I'm going to share that story, that love, sex, and marriage this next month, and hopefully it'll encourage you. If this is the first time you're hearing it and it offends you and you need to find another church because you think that all pastors are plastic and I just want you to know at this church, our pastors are not plastic. They are people who bleed, got issues, they rush through things. And, uh, but I want to tell you why it hurt me. It didn't hurt me because I was ashamed or embarrassed, although I was. What hurt me was her answer to me when I said it. She said to me, she said, it was her first word. She said, what did I do wrong? Why was I not enough? She said, am I fat? Do I need to change my hair? Is there something in me that you can't get in me? And, I, and, I, and, I, and, it, and it ripped me. And I just told her, baby, it's not you. You are not the issue. I am the issue. There are things in me. There is a void in me that I'm trying to fill with other things that are not doing it. And it's not you. You are perfect. You are doing everything the right way. I need to work on me. Let me help the husband or the wife who is struggling with this issue or a similar issue. Don't fight with your spouse. They are not the issue. Because if you need to hear this because you're about to have a conversation or you've had this conversation, well, you know, maybe if we would sleep together more. Maybe if you would dress differently or maybe if you would lose some weight, that God, you will not win that battle because that is not the real battle. That is a symptom of the issue, but it's not the issue. The issue is your insecurity. The issue is you don't feel like a man. The issue is you feel empty. The issue is you don't feel beautiful. The issue is you don't feel loved, and no person can make you feel loved, FYI. Only God can make you feel loved. And if you need help finding the issue, let me help point you in the right direction. It's internal and not external. The issue's in here. The issue's in here. You need to choose the right battle so you can fight the right battle, hear me, so you can get to the next battle. The next battle. The next battle. The next battle, guys. Not the last battle. Not the one you've been fighting for 20 years. Not the one you've been fighting for five years. A new battle is on the way. The next battle. And some of you guys are so cute, man. You're so cute. So cute. <laughs> you know why you're cute? <laughs> because you think <laughs> you know, because I say next battle, you're like, because you think this battle, like this issue that you got is hilarious. You think, <laughs> I'm sorry, oh my God. you think it's your only issue. And you think if I get over this issue, life will be better because this is my only issue. But the only reason why you think it's your only issue is because you've been fighting it for so long. But I got great encouragement. Are you ready? Say yes. You got mad issues. Come on, we can clap about that. You don't got one. You got like 20. And we need to hurry up and get rid of this one so we can go on and grow on to the next one. So I don't know about you, but if there's anybody wrestling with the insecurity about heaviness, listen, this is the last year you fight about the insecurity over your heaviness. Next year we need to work on your craziness, okay? Because the heaviness is one thing, but the craziness we got to, listen, husbands and wives, spouses, this is the last year you're fighting about finances. Say amen. 
Next year, you're fighting about sex, okay? We're going to move on. We're going to grow up. We're going to move on to the next thing. This is the last year you fight with suicidal thoughts. Next year, you're going to fight with unforgiveness, which is probably one of the roots of the suicidal thoughts because of that person who hurts you, and you can't take it out on them, so you're taking it out on yourself. We're going to forgive that person. This is the last year we're going to work on the addiction. We're going to get over that this year. Next year, we're going to work on the anxiety. Somebody say amen. amen. New battles. Why? Because new battles bring new blessings. New battles bring new blessings. I'll tell you what. Abraham moves on to the next battle. The last battle was giving birth to Isaac, but the next battle was having to sacrifice Isaac on the altar. God asked him for his son. It was all a test. God ended up not doing it. He passed the test, but God was moving him to the next battle. And after he moved him to the next battle, now God says these words, Jehovah Jireh, and then in the thicket was a ram. And God takes out this ram and he puts the, and Abraham takes out this ram, puts the ram on the altar, takes Isaac off the altar, praises God. And Abraham gets a revelation of a brand new blessing. That ram that went on the altar so that Isaac didn't have to die becomes an image of the Jesus, of the son of God who took our place on the cross so that we didn't have to go to the cross. Are you catching it? Jesus started the battle Jesus sustained the battle and Jesus won the battle for him through him by him because of him he comes in and rescues us and he becomes the biggest blessing you know we, we we talk about people who are wrestling with the same battle but you know what else can be wrestling is there anybody here who's wrestling not with the same battle but wrestling with the fact that you've been living on the same level of blessing like, I'm just tired of living at this level of blessing. Like, I've experienced God up until this point, but I'm ready to experience him even more than this. Like, I've seen his goodness in my family, but now I'm ready to see his goodness in my grandchildren. I've seen his, his, I've seen his supernatural power heal and deliver me, but this Wednesday at Rollins College, I'm ready to see his supernatural power heal and deliver cancer, heal and deliver the cripple, heal and deliver the deaf, heal and deliver the blind. I told my barber what I was fasting. I told him everything I was fasting. And when I told him everything I was fasting, especially the last one, because it's not just food, he looked back, he was like, ooh. <laughs> kind of shut the clipper off, which I appreciated. So I kind of caught him off guard with the last one. And he said, that's who? <laughs> I was like, yeah, man. And he me all weird, you know? But here's the thing. I need the battle. I need, I did something different the year before. I need a new battle. Because Journey Church needs a new blessing. So last year's blessing was great. What, what I did and the battles I fought brought us to this point, but now I need a new battle to see a new blessing. And if you're tired of living at a certain level of faith, I'm ready to call you higher. You're gonna have to find a new battle. And when you do, guess what? You don't see your battles the same anymore. You look at a battle, but you see a blessing. Here's five things you can do. I wanna be real practical. Here's five things you can do to help fight this battle. I'm gonna get real practical. You can take these notes down. Number one, if you wanna fight this battle, get someone on the journey with you. Don't do it alone. We got small group leadership training in the back, but small groups are being going to be open in two weeks. We're going to have over 100 groups here at church that you can be a part of. You need to find someone in that group you can trust, and it's going to have to happen on like week two, week three. Don't just come in there week one, day one, talking about blah. Wait till you can trust that person. Share with them what you're battling, what you're going through. Get them on the journey with you. Number two, get a plan. It's going to be a Bible study plan. I'm going to download this app on my phone. It's going to help block out some sites, whatever. Get a plan. Number three, lean on the grace of God. You gotta understand, you got unlimited tries. The game, the, the, the setting on this game has shifted, it's changed. It's on easy now. The battle's already won. You got just get up and go again, get up and go again, get up and go again, get up and go again. You fell, get up and go again, get up and go again. 
Lean on the grace of God. Number four, stay the course. Don't quit no matter what. Get up and go again. Keep coming to church. Keep coming to small group. Keep praying. And number five, fight the brand new battle. Fight the brand new battle because it's coming. It's coming. The brand new battle is coming this time. It's coming this time. This time next year, you're not going to be fighting the things you fought today. This time next year, you're going to fight the brand new battle. I want to invite you to stand on your feet with me today. I said that Jesus starts the process, sustains the process, and ends the process. Why don't we invite him into the battle today through our prayer and our worship? Come on, if you're ready to fight, I know you might be tired, but I'm asking you to go on one more fight with me today and let it be through your worship. Let it be through your worship. So all over this room, I want you to invite you to close your eyes and bow your head. And if you feel comfortable, you can lift your hands. Father God, let's pray. Father God, we come into your presence today. We are asking right now, Lord God, for a miracle in our lives. We have been fighting the thing that we've been fighting for way too long. We've been fighting this battle for way too long. We've been living at this level of blessing for way too long. But we declare in Jesus' name that by this time next year, there will be brand new battles, brand new devils, brand new levels, brand new struggles. I'm not going back to who I was. I'm not going to fight the things I used to fight. I'm going to fight new In Jesus' name, you're taking me higher. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.